Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on the 48th episode of our podcast. Cannot be done without you guys, that's for sure. So I want to, again, thank you very much for turning in, especially those big thank you, for, thank you to who are returning to us. And uh, if you continue sharing this podcast, it's continually growing. Um, get to talk to a great coach today, Coach Matt Lau. And we'll continue putting on great coaches like Coach Lau. Uh, but, man, for those people that don't know Coach Lau, um, really, really um, popular coach, um, most followed coach on, on social media, I would say, close to a million followers on all his social media platforms. Again, check him out at Coach Lyle, L-I-S-L-E, uh, creator of the Hitting Vault. Uh, please make sure you follow that. Uh, check that out, thehittingvault.com, uh, coachlyle.com, recruitinginsider.com. You can check out all of these platforms that Coach Lau is on. And uh, just what's so interesting about Coach Coach Lau is how um, how much experience he's had. And he's experienced all levels of baseball from high school, NAI, to Major League Baseball. And then on top of it, that too, he's experienced softball he went to the softball side and has done that and so and now even through the hitting vault and, and through um his different clients from baseball and softball and he's really helped um and if you really look at the last 10 years how the so- the softball swing has changed i really think coach law we talk about this a little bit um in in the show is we talk about how he's kind of a, a big influence on that a big part of that as you know a guy the scout in Major League Baseball, um, hitting coach to Major League Baseball uh, in college, and then goes to softball and, and basically says it's nothing really different. And uh, and so now we see um, it, it's changed a little bit. So uh, just a very unique experience. Um, coach Lau is a great ambassador of the game. You can also check him out. Also, he's the author of Dear Coach, the number one coaching industry book on Amazon bestsellers. And, uh, man, we just get into just lessons he's learned through the experience. We get into um, how he's using technology. We get into um, how he's working individually with all his hitters, how he's always tried to do that, Uh, and really how he really starts with the mind and how he really starts to make sure that guys are mentally, what's going on in their head, uh, as well as what they're thinking, and then getting into the physical side of things and we talk about the technology we talk about even what his bunting his bunting philosophy is and and how they do that and and really then we get into some individualizing which we've heard a lot by from a lot lot, another lot of great coaches so again another great coach talking about if everyone's doing the same thing in practice all the time we're not doing it right so he talks about individualizing his hitters having individual hitting plans but then also within a team setting and how we're able to do that. So very, very valuable stuff. It is very fast-paced. We both talk pretty fast, and we just went from one thing to the other. And, man, it was a lot of fun. And I uh, just cannot thank him enough for the great, valuable information. Give me some time, carving out some time in his night away from his family uh, to just give us this great information. So, again, Coach Lau, I can't thank you enough. Please check him out at thehittingvault.com, at Coach Lau on all social media platforms. Very valuable stuff. And things that you can definitely apply uh, to your game and uh, to your or to your coaching repertoire. So let's get this thing started, and let me introduce to you Coach Matt Lau. I think for me, I've been very fortunate to to coach at every level from T-ball all the way up, and it just gives you. Um, you know, some unique experiences in regards to all different ages and levels and abilities and, and stuff like that. And, and thanks to that, you know, I've, I've kind of just, I've just seen a lot of stuff and in my 21 years of coaching that you get to, uh, you get to really see, you know, all these different things. So for me, it's really about just, uh, just learning how to, you know, help hitters and and athletes at all those different levels and in everybody's, everybody's wired differently. And so, you know, some people this morning, I had a couple of college softball players texting me about swings. I had a, 
D1 head college football coach texting me about his daughter's swing and stuff. So, you know, you're trying to, uh, you're just trying to find the best way to help people. And it's just, everybody's different. And um, it's just part of the, part of the fun of coaching. Mm-hmm. I, I would just, uh, even, I, and I would have to say, I have to, when I started really following you and getting into it, and I, and I know you made the the switch to softball, I think now you're starting to see the softball swing kind of changed. Um, is that something that when you went in there, was that something that you were interested in about, like how the softball swing was different and why was it different? Yeah, I kind of want I, I definitely, I mean, I'll tell you what, in 2012 was the first time I really ever watched fast pitch college softball and I watched it and I was fascinated by it. I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is a fun sport, but I didn't know a whole lot about a lot of the nuances and, and, and ins and outs of it. And so I started studying the swing and, and my first year coaching softball was at the university of Oregon. And, uh, I, I just kind of quickly, uh, realized at least in my own philosophy that the swing was exactly the same and, uh, that, that I wasn't going to change or do anything differently. And uh, in my, you know, now almost nine years in college softball and in baseball together, uh, you know, they are the exact same swing. There's some some very minor nuances, but for the most part, uh, you know, they're they're exactly the same in the way I approach it. And and I I think uh, that's one of the things that has held softball back a little bit is the argument over, you know, the baseball swing. And I think um, that's kind of uh, hurt softball a little bit. That conversation has kind of slowed down the progress of it, but for the most part, um, you know, I would say that most people now, uh, agree with it. And I think that, I think that, I think probably 10 years ago it was much differently, but now, uh, nowadays you, you won't see a lot of uh, high level softball hitting coaches, uh, say that they are different swings or, th- or that there's very much different about it. Yeah. And like I said, I think you got to be one of the guys that have really helped change that from the start. Cause like when you first made the move, it was such big news when you did make the move. And then I'm sure now you're starting to see just softball swings, just they're very different. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun to see that. I mean, when I, what I remember about softball as a kid was that it was pitching dominated and games went 15 innings and it was one to nothing. And if you look at the history of a lot of softball and the, at different times it was a lot like that and now man nowadays and this i mean you got double digit scores all the time in softball even in the world series i mean i think pitchers still dominate the sport but offense has really skyrocketed in the last five to ten years because i think there's been a shift in uh teaching a better swing teaching better offense and it's it's been fun to see the progression of it for sure mm-hmm. is there anything that helped you better on the baseball side from your softball experience? Um, I think the biggest thing is that, again, just like learning different personalities and how people uh, accept feedback. Uh, For me, Mm. uh, having a career in baseball and going into softball, um, softball players uh, generally like their feedback a little softer than uh, some of the male people that I've coached in my day. So, uh, I, I had to learn that the hard way uh, with with some athletes, and then by learning that, I also learned that my uh, the the male coach uh, athletes that I coached uh, also responded better to softer feedback, and you know, so I think kind of hand in hand, I learned both sides, uh, just how to deal with uh, hitters better, how to help them better, and so if eating softball, working with softball athletes has taught me, and vice versa is again, like how different people are and how, and how to find out, uh, you know, but what's the best way they accept feedback and the best way uh, to coach them. Yeah. I love all that, man. How they, how they, to find out the best they take feedback. Absolutely. Mm, love that. So that's not necessarily because like, t- typically you hear people talk about how they learn. It's really just how you take feedback. So really you're talking about like, the communication and the communication part of it. Yeah. I just think that everybody, uh, you know, I think a lot of hitters or athletes, especially at the high levels, they'll tell you, uh, you know, yeah, you can, they'll say they can take feedback or, or they can take critical feedback and they, they want it to, you know, they want it, uh, you know, very, um, clear and, uh, you know, just give me the truth. 
And it's easy to say that, but a lot of athletes don't want their feedback delivered that way. They want it a little bit softer than that. So, uh, there, but there are different, there are different people who, who actually do like, uh, you know, tough feedback and they, and they respond to it well. And there's other people that you gotta, you know, come in a little softer landing. So, uh, learning how each hitter accepts feedback and by asking them how they receive that feedback, you can create this accountability. So, you know, if, if you say, Hey, Trey, uh, I say, Trey, how do you like your feedback? You say, Oh, give it to me straight. I, 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 I want it. I don't want sugar, any sugar coat. And then I say, Hey, Trey, you know, you need to work on X, Y, or Z. And then you get defensive and, and fight back uh, or don't like that delivery. I can come back to you and say, Hey, Trey, you told me you wanted it straight. You wanted it. Uh, you didn't want me to sugarcoat it. And, you know, the, if, what you're, what I'm getting from you is that you wanted it sugarcoated. So, you know, I, I, it, it helps with some accountability and it helps with some communica- communication when an athlete tells you this is how they want something. And then when you give it to them that way, uh, if they don't uh, receive it well, you can have that next conversation of, oh, hey, maybe you don't like it. <laughs> maybe you don't want it straight uh, or uh, vice versa. So I just think it's helpful to, to ask and learn uh, how players uh receive feedback, how, how they like to, how, how they like to work, how they like to communicate. Uh, same thing goes with text or FaceTime or, uh, anything else for that matter. There's some athletes who, uh, do a better job communicating via text message for whatever reason. It's just, that's welcome to 2021. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, you got to find the way to connect with your hitters and you got to find a way to help them. Mm, I, and I would say, do you, do you feel you know, has that always been a part of, of your process or is that something that maybe working with the softball side with having to maybe be a little bit more, you said you did, you couldn't give it as be as real. Is that, is that something that kind of what came about that? Um, no, I think honestly it just came with maturity and getting older and wiser, hopefully to some degree, uh, just yeah. more experience. I think, in my younger days, uh, there was a lot of my way or the highway. There was a lot of, um, you know, we do it this way because that's the way I learned it. Mm-hmm. And just the more that I learned, the more I grew, the more um, experience I got, uh, the more I realized that that, that way was not, as, was not as successful as I wanted it to be. And so for me, in order to be a more successful coach, I had to find what is the best way to do it. And so over time, I just through maturity and, and learning and say, Hey, uh, it's not about me. It's about the athlete. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I was, I was a head varsity baseball coach, 23, 24 years old. And, uh, you know, I was really, I was immature and, you know, at, at 35 and now in my forties, it's just, it's just a lot different as you have kids. I've got five kids and it, as you get older and you have kids, it, it just your perspective and, and view on things, uh, changes and, and you become more mature. And for me, it was more about that and just learning that uh, it's not about my career or about my coaching. It's about how do I, how do I make this athlete the best that they can be? And I think it just takes a, it takes a shift. I think some people might learn that earlier in life. For me, it probably took me into my thirties before I really uh, authentically believed that. Uh, and that was just the case for me. The more serving is like you get into more of a servant leadership kind of role. And, and, uh, do you feel like things have kind of grown for you since you've taken that role? Um, I think, I think, uh, it has helped. It, it, it has helped, um, me to have success in the sense again of like, uh, I've been able to help more hitters do better, uh, and athletes in general. And I think, uh, that's resulted in more wins and more success and, and mm-hmm. things are like that. Um, I, by doing that for sure. Uh, that, that has definitely been the case where maybe my old style helped a few players. I feel like this, this stop, my, you know, my new philosophy or my the style that I coach now, uh, has been more successful because I think it impacts and helps more players than just a few of them. Yeah. Speaking of that impact too, like I know that you've, it was like, I know we were talking earlier and there's a lot of, a lot of stuff you've been putting out here recently, just about, about making that impact, you know, and about, about taking the game through all, through, I guess the, the character side of the game, what the game kind of teaches us, you know, like, um, has, is that kind of more of a, me- your message now and into your lessons and things like that. And, uh, 
than it than it used to be? Uh, yeah, I would say you know probably 2012, right right around that time, I started really wanting to dig in and be an expert, not at the X's and O's and strategy and hitting, because I think uh, I felt pretty good in that those areas, but in regards to leadership and culture and um, and more life lessons type stuff. I wanted to get better at that area. I felt like that was an area that was lacking uh, in my expertise. And so I decided to kind of go on a journey of being better at those things. So, uh, and then I, again, as, as my career has gone on, you start learning that those are the things that are more important. They're more impactful. They help you win more than the X's and O's. And uh, when you can combine the two things of culture and leadership and chemistry, and, and also uh, with, good skill set and, and good athletes, uh, you know, it, it makes it more fun, uh, makes it long lasting. And then it's, uh, you know, it's just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That is super cool. And like, I was wondering, cause especially you talk about culture. I, I just, one thing that's hit me is like, especially with all of your experience, you know, like you probably saw like crazy amounts of different cultures, like the crazy amounts of different examples of how people help their culture from just man explain a little bit about that like from culture like because you know culture is almost a feeling you, you you can almost see but uh you can just feel it when you're there so how has those cultures changed from all your different experiences that's a good question i i think that uh you know every school that you coach at and every group that you have can ha- can have all good cultures, bad cultures, and and good leaders and bad leaders. I think as a coach, I think we do our best to try to identify, you know, where, what is our, what is our current team culture? How do we improve it? Uh, what leaders should we invest in and trying to, in trying to create uh, good leadership and how do we teach those leaders to be good leaders? So, you know, for me, I've always stepped into every job and every place saying, okay, Hey, let's get the temperature of the culture here. What is it like coaches, athletes across the board? And, and then how do I help um, improve it? And, uh, and so for me, that's kind of, that's been the approach that I've always had. And there's been some bad cultures and, and there's been some good cultures and, you know, sometimes it takes longer than you, than you think. And sometimes, you know, it, it can be something really fast too. It just really depends on the group that you have, the coaches you have and, but making it a, a, a high priority, uh, early on from day one is really, really important. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So now that you're taking more, you know, you're strictly in the private sector, you don't really have a team. How do you take those lessons? And like you said, you know how much important it is. How do you take them on with each of your clients and talk about like, here are the skills that we can develop as well. That's going to help your team, which essentially is, is going to help you. Yeah. So I think for me, it, it really boils down to, to looking at my, the, the athletes that I work with, looking at them, looking at them and, and having a relationship with them. That's not just uh, a hitting coach to a, to a hitter or a client to a coach. Uh, it's really about relationship and the person as a whole. So I think a lot of times the conversations I have with them, uh, I try to show and invest in them as people and care about them as people. So that the conversations I have with them um, and having a strong relationship with them and trust with them, uh, I, that's really more of the focus. And, and so when you develop trust and relationship, it's a lot easier to, um, you know, give someone feedback or try to give them criticism and stuff like that. I, I, I tell my college athletes all the time, the same thing goes for people that speak into your life. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's someone that you really care about, a friend or a family member, you know, and they tell you that you need to work on something in your life, it's you're going to receive that feedback differently than some stranger off the street who tells you, you know, you need to change something about you because the stranger on the street, you're going to look at like, who are you to tell me, you know, how I should live my life or anything like that. And so the same thing goes with coaches and athletes. If coaches and athletes come in and just say, hey, it's, you know, do it this way, do it that way. And then they, they there's no relationship a player is not, not going to really want to make those changes because they don't really trust that the coach has their best interest in place. But if there's a relationship there and they, they trust you and they, and they know that you care about them uh, when you give them feedback and you give them something to work on, they believe that the coach actually cares about them and they want them to have success. And they're much more willing to, to buy in and do the things that are necessary to do. So I, I always look at my athletes now uh, and I always have as much as I can as, uh, as a relationship 
and how do I how do I foster and build that relationship the best I can? What What are some ways? I mean, especially. I'm super, super tough for you. I know you probably have like online clients that you just even virtually, um, how, how do you, how do you help do that with, 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 with so many different clients? And I know with, with the different, you know, like within your experience, you know, some people would have to be there, some, maybe a place for a while. It seems like you can kind of dive in right away and kind of get that relationship rolling. What are some strategies that you kind of do to help build that relationship, build that trust? The biggest thing is by asking more questions than talking. So for me, it's really a matter of um, trying to, you know, again, ask what, ask what their goals are. What are their, what, you know, what are they trying to get out of it? How, how do they, how do they receive feedback? You know, all of those type of things. Um, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, I get a lot of minor league players and, and college players that come to me and send me videos and stuff like that. I'm like, Hey, I'm more than willing to help you, but like, I, I want to know more about like, what's going on. Is it, is it something in, in their head? Is it something with their swing? Uh, is it, what goals do they have? And the, the more questions and the more you can get to know the athlete, uh, the better. So I start from that standpoint, again, like, you know, trying to evaluate what is their goals, uh, what's their current situation so that, uh, you know, versus just working on the swing or whatever the thing is. I think that's more, that's more important. Mm, that's, that's great. That is, that is great. Oh man, that's good. So uh, one thing kind of stood out to me and, um, and I know we had kind of touched the base on this earlier as well. Um, before we got rolling was just a matter of the mental side of things. Cause you said like, what's in your head. Can you like elaborate? Like, are you thinking like, were you thinking approach there? Were you thinking just mentality period? Like, do I have confidence or all, yes, all yeah, the all of the above, really. It's just a matter of trying to find out, is it a confidence issue? Is something they overthink and put a lot of pressure on themselves? Uh, or is it, again, they have something that has to do, it could be do, have to do with approach and, and uh, swinging at bad pitches, play discipline type things, timing. I mean, uh, and so when I talk about the mental side, I'm trying to figure out, you know, um, maybe it's not a swing issue at all. Maybe they have a great swing and it's something that, again, they, you know, they, they're, they're really, they get in their heads really easily. They, they, a lot of pressure, they don't deal with adversity well. Uh, and so, you know, I, I need to know, should we be talking about that type of stuff or is it actually a swing issue? And for me, a lot of times, you know, as a college coach, uh, after a week, like, let's say one of our best hitters, uh, in, let's say it's, it's, it's at the university of South Carolina, sec players, and one of our best hitters uh, had a bad weekend went over an uh, over nine with seven strikeouts. You know, the first thing they're going to say on Monday is I need to change my swing or I need to change this. And I'm always, I always would push back on them. Okay. You know, what's really going on? Cause I, I don't think your swing changed in the last three days. I mean, mm -hmm. you might've had a bad weekend. So what is the actual issue? And it could be something that has something they changed in their swings. It, it's very possible, but my, my first inclination will always be, okay, what's going on in their head? Are they pressing? Uh, you know, and so for me, I want to, I want to find those things out because, uh, there are a lot of hitters that go straight to, I need to change my swing or something's wrong with my swing. And that's actually not the case. So, and so man, so it, let's say a person comes into and you, and you basically realize as a coach and you determine that it was a mental thing, what kind of, what would you suggest that a person does? What do you, what might you do? to help them get over that mental problem. Um, I, I know I talk a lot about how they deal with adversity and understand that the, the sport of baseball and softball, the, the failure rate is so high and you've got hitters like Mike Trout who in his MVP season, his last MVP season had a stretch of going 0 for 19. And like, and so slumps happen, adversity happens. How do you deal with it? How do you flush it? Uh, and so for me, a lot of my conversations are understanding that failure is really high in these sports. Hitting is very hard. The best hitters in all of baseball or softball succeeded at 30 to 40% rate at best. And so if you come in with that perspective and understanding that can really help you to, to be just less hard on yourself. There's so many perfectionists, so many people with parents with a lot of pressure on them uh, and stuff like that. So if I can approach them of understanding, okay, Hey, you know, this, this hitting thing is really hard. And the best players in this game fail at this, at this thing quite a bit. So if that's the case, how do I, you know, understand that so that, uh, 
when I'm over three with three strikeouts and I come up for the fourth time, I can understand that, Hey, you know what? All it's going to take is one hit for me to get back into it. One hit to help my team one, you know, get it on base one time and not let that over three, uh, in the last, you know, few innings, um, you know, dictate what's going to happen in my next at bat. And again, how to deal with failure and, uh, and learning you know, just some perspective. Mm, yes. Right. Learning some perspective. And so like, have you ever been in a, like, cause I had imagined that, you know, you're, you're not, your your lessons and you know, the, when you're doing your work, it's not the typical, just go in, we're going to do the same kind of things is do you, as, has, has that ever been like a full lesson? Like, look, your lesson is just for us to get into your head, for us to get your mind, right. Get everything, get everything squared up and get you feeling ready to roll. Uh, you know, has that ever been a, I guess a certain type of like less, let's say lesson. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of times I think hitters that just, it just ends up being, that's the lesson. Like, Hey, uh, you've been in your head and, and let's talk through that out. And, you know, the thing about being a hitting coach is that a lot of times, uh, it, we're psychologists mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and more so than coaches. So we spend a lot of time with the psychology of it and, and talking through hitter, talking through hitters, uh, and what's going on in their head and, and, and talking through it. So, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, therapy or being a psychologist is what, what a hitting coach does a lot of. Sure. No, I, I, no, I agree. I agree. Cause it's, it is, like you said, it's so hard. It's so hard to do. And what a great perspective to save about Mike Trout, you know, like, could you imagine 20 at bats, you know, going up for 19 and, and, uh, yeah, perspective is everything. And even in life for sure. Um, to coach, I was thinking like another, another part of the mental thing is a lot of routines, you know, are there any kind of routines that you'll bring into your guys or like, let's say something specific that you want them to do in the cage, or even when they get done the cage to kind of help them prepare that kind of routine that they would have in a game. Uh, for me, it's really about talking about talking about routine and and making them create one. Uh, and so I, I let them, uh, to a, to a degree, I help them a little bit in the sense of like, Hey, you know, uh, let me help you develop a, a routine. And mm-hmm. some of that can be, uh, you know, Hey, you're going to do some, some, uh, some type of warm up exercises. We'll get to do a little T work, like, you know, kind of, kind of walk them through the, a routine, but I also put it on them to take some ownership to create a routine. I want to know what the routines are, uh, because everyone's again, is so different. You have some hitters that, uh, you know, they have to have a very particular routine and, and some other hitters that, that have much, uh, much more laid back one. So for me, um, it's more about the coach trying to find out, you know, what their routine is, making sure that they have one that they're comfortable with. And then, uh, and, and again, like being aware of it so that if they're not doing the routine or something's off, uh, I can, I can kind of help identify that and, and, and I can come back to them and say, Hey, you know, I know you weren't doing your routine day or you doing this routine differently. You know, why is that? And they might say something like, well, you know, I'm over my last 12. So I'm going to try this. And it's like, okay, you know, that's cool. Let's try this routine today. And, you know, again, trying to just help them uh, to find a routine that works for them. And you're talking, you're basically talking routines like pregame routine. Yes. Right. So what about, okay. And then what about, and, and, cause that's, that's great. And now what about in a sense of a, uh, at bat routine, like pitch by pitch, a pitch routine. Yeah. So I, I, I make every one of our hitters have some type of routine. Uh, for me, uh, a sample that I'd like to give them is, is that when they get into the box, uh, you know, the first thing they would do is look over to get a sign. And as they're getting their signs, start, start working on their breathing and, and start slowing down their breathing again, like understanding that a slow heart rate, uh, the slowest your heart rate can get the, the better decisions you're going to make timing, uh, your swing is going to be faster. So we're trying to slow down the breathing. And then from there, um, you know, trying to, trying to find a focus point, whether it's like looking at the, the plate or a, a pebble of dirt. And then when you're looking at the picture again, continue to take, to, to focus on breathing and, uh, starting to kind of start getting our eyes focused, our mind focused on what we're trying to to accomplish, and then some. I, I like to have some positive self talk. Get the voices out of their heads. They're negative, and and it was something like rip it, or you know something something positive in their heads, kind of get their heads going good. 
And then uh, each pitch, you know, whether it's a good, good choice or a bad choice or a foul ball, you know, I like them to kind of take their foot and scratch the, scratch the box, kind of like wipe the, wipe the plate, uh, wipe the box clean, especially if they made a mistake. I want them to kind of wipe the, wipe the box clean, say, okay, you know what, that last pitch, I made a bad decision, but I'm going to wipe the box clean. And is now we're starting over again. Uh, same thing with, with an at bat. Let's say your last at bat, you struck out. When you get into the batter's box, I always tell them, Hey, let's, let's scrape out the, you know, uh, wipe the, wipe the box clean and, and, and reset uh, from there. So uh, the, and I, again, I, I kind of tell them they, they, they can have any routine they want. I just want them to have one. Mm-hmm. Now, is it, has it been, is it been more of a challenge for you to like now when you take it into like let's say the indoor facility and you got to do it in your in your cages in your cage work or do you still try to bring that same kind of um, routine uh, into into the cage work? Yeah, I mean, I, when working in the cages, I think uh, we talk a lot about trying to create as much of a game like atmosphere as possible. So for yeah. me. Uh, you know, we, we want to do as much as much as we can to make it game like uh, from routine to stepping out of the box. Like we, we never do rapid fire. Like we, we we always make sure hitters are stepping out, stepping out, stepping in, you know, trying to make it as game like as possible. OK. OK. So like, are you are you able to now like um, like I'm just thinking of like live at bats, you know, live at bat seasons upon us um, as guys are getting ready to roll. Is that something that you're trying to you, do you are you able to bring that part so then like you might hire some pitchers in and, or however, I guess your facility probably works it logistically to bring in some pitchers. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't work at a facility. I don't do lessons. I, I only work in person with major league baseball hitters. So okay. um, for me uh, when, and especially because we I live in California and we're, we're everything's still pretty much on lockdown. Oh, it's been, it's been yeah. uh, difficult this year, but having said that, yeah, we try to create as much live arms as possible. Even coaching in college the last few years, trying to find graduates and trying to find local people that could pitch. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I think, uh, in the next 10 years, you will see major league baseball teams have entire pitching staffs, uh, just to throw live ABs. It, it'll definitely happen. So, okay. So let's roll into this, man. So, so, so you're basically talking about challenging, making more training, much more game, like, and actually what you just prior to said about dealing with failure. So are you, do you feel you're like, are you, especially, especially with your pro clients, do you find yourself challenging them a lot more than maybe what you used to? Yes. Yeah. I would say five to seven years ago, there was a lot more feel good BP. Yeah. And I would say nowadays, uh, one of my pro guys right now basically gets warmed up and goes straight to the machine where it's absolutely dealing. So, um, I, you know, I would say, yeah, there's a way more challenge now than there was five years ago. I think, uh, you know, I think most hitters still need to have a balance of feeling good and some confidence and some machine, you know, and making it and making it challenging. But once we get started and warm and loose, yeah, we're, we're going pretty tough. I'll tell you, uh, last year at Fresno state, uh, we got into January, uh, for the month going into the season, we went full challenge live every day. There was very little feel good BP, very little front toss and T was, you know, tough machine, tough live every day. And uh, it's usually not a favorite of most players uh, to get to have that much challenging, but it did prepare them for the season. And I think once the season got going and we were much better prepared than other teams, uh, they understood why we did it. Mm, Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Do you feel, I feel like the juice is worth the squeeze with as you're pounding and pounding and challenging those guys? Yep. You just have to, you have to be really smart about it because you can really demoralize and bury uh, a hitter or a team. If you don't do it the right way, you've got, you can't just go straight to just owning them. It's gotta be a good combination of buildup, building them into that, uh, preparing them for it, helping them with it. You know, it's, it, it, it takes a, it takes some uh, skill to make sure you do it the right way. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just because, but I think what you're doing too is, you know, instead of just the lip service of yeah, we got to deal with failure better. Like when well, we're gonna implement it into into the game, and I I agree. I, I think that's definitely where it's coming to, coming to. You can definitely see it coming. You know, the Astros were started all that. 
you know, they started it where, you know, you hear those guys, they were throwing live at people, breaking bats during BP and people were laughing at them and look where they're at. So now nah, it was awesome coach. That was great. Um, I, I guess another thing is, um, you know, you talked about the challenging of it. That's really kind of um, going to start influencing the game. Technology has definitely influenced the game. Right. And now it's starting to make a difference. Like what kind of, you know, technology do you find that's, that's beneficial to hitters? What kind of you, how are you using it to implement and make decisions for your hitters? Um, I would say, you know, I use the uh, hit tracks for, for, ex I think, uh, you know, ball exit data is really important. So exit velocity and launch angle and spin and those things. And so hit tracks and Rapsodo track man, um, you know, I think, you know, collecting, uh, batted ball data is really important to me. I also use a bat sensor. Like I, I like blast motion, but there's also diamond kinetics. Um, technology wise, I like to use wind reality, uh, for vision training. There's also a program called game sense. that's really good. So, uh, I use that a lot as well. Um, you know, I would say those are probably the main things from a technology standpoint, uh, that we use. I also use K vest, uh, which is a, which is a wearable thing that gives us a lot of, uh, data on body movements and positions. Uh, that's really important as well. So, I mean, I guess it really depends just on the level and the, in the, of the hitter and, you know, how deep of a dive you really want to get into, uh, when it works, uh, when it comes to hitters. So, but I, I use all of that data, uh, just to really assess, um, everybody and figure out, Hey, where is this hitter at? Where do they need to be? Uh, and what are the kind of create some goals around it? So that's probably the biggest thing. So will, so will you use that for you users for every hitters or there were certain be hitters? Like, let's say you got your pro guy to say, look, look, I'm just not into that. So like, you just don't use that or to use it with everyone to get that baseline. I would say almost everyone, I, you know, almost every single person that we're collect, collecting a, a ton of data on. Um, if, if I'm working with them in person, the KVEST, uh, maybe not as much or when reality, not as much. It's really, again, it really depends on when a hitter comes to me, like what exactly are their goals? Is it like, you know, full on hand holding and, you, and after every single major league game, you're going to call me from the room and FaceTime me to go over every, every at bat. Or like every month, you just want to send me a swing uh, versus video and talk about that swing over video. So, you know, I would say in my experience of doing this, uh, you just have you have hitters that want a lot of hand holding and they want to you know a lot of uh, work, and other hitters that they don't want a lot of information or data and and they they want very little. So I think especially at the pro level, you've got guys literally across the spectrum breaking down swings for hours after games to guys who never want to talk about, um, you know, their swing or hitting or that type of stuff. And it's just, you know, good coaching of being able to know when to push that guy and put and take a step back, or I guess knowing who that guy is first and foremost, and then kind of deciding how am I going to give this guy's information? Yep. Yeah. Mm. So like, which, uh, like, are there things that you just like, um, have you seen like correlations between like certain blast data and like, cause like blast data is like pre ball flight and then you got ball flight. Um, have you seen any correlations with anything or uh, th that people should, or like things that you kind of focus more on based off of the, maybe some correlation in the data? Yeah. I think the two biggest ones, uh, for me is, uh, bat speed and attack angle, you know, a high bat speed correlates to high exit velocity and, uh, attack angle, uh, the angle the bat comes in usually correlates to line drives and distance. So, uh, those are probably the two biggest, I think there's a few others here and there that there are, but for me, uh, those are the two biggest, uh, correlators of success in regards to, uh, you know, batted ball data, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, based on, based on that, let's say like you need to work with a guy on his approach angle. Will you then take some of the other maybe technologies that you say, okay, here's how we're going to create, uh, or maybe like, like the, I'm thinking of like K vest, like, do you know, okay, your sequence just off where we're not able to get the bat in the path right, like soon enough. 
Uh, depends. It really depends on what, like I said, it could, from attack angle standpoint, it might be just a few drills to help them get the ball in the, uh, that, you know, help them get their attack angle. I mean, all of it is a big pie in the sense of video, KVS, everything. And so by looking at all of it, uh, building a plan from there. So it just really depends. It could be as simple as doing a couple of drills. It could be uh, working on something with their uh, hip hinge and side bend and, and, you know, like their movement patterns it could be some type of physical screening assessment. Like it, it could be so mm. many things um, that go to that. But what, what I, I'll usually do is go to like a drill or two and just see, does that drill help at all with that attack angle? Uh, and if not, you know, why not? And trying to figure out what, you know, what is the best plan of attack? Sure. Sure. No, that's understandable. I mean, cause yeah, I know every, every hitter is different. I know we're, it could be very general here. Um, you know, but it's still really good to even for people to hear, like, if we're just kind of cookie cuttering these things, not really doing the best we can for guys, because it could be different. It could just be telling guys like hit it over the, hit it over the net or hit yep. it over the L screen. <laughs> you know, like you said, the first thing is, getting your feedback and just asking them, like, what are your goals? Like, is your goal to like, I was doing a no strike drill with a kid and like, he put on the outside. I'm like, so what's your goal? You're going to hit the second base. They can hit a ground ball. Like that's what you're going to do with no strikes. You know, just to think <laughs> about the goals, you know? Um, but uh, coach, you said about hip hinge. So it just kind of clicked in my mind, especially with like attacking on certain like things like med balls. And when you talk about hip hinge, I'm talking about like weightlifting. So being a, a, as high level of a hit as a coach that you are, do you, is that something you just kind of outsource or make start, make sure guys are also lifting and being putting that as part of their program? Yeah. So I would say for me, a lot of it has to do with uh, when you're coaching at the college or pro level, you have strength and conditioning coaches. So right. for me, I'm, I'm always uh, making sure I have a really good relationship with them, working together with them on hitting plans, okay. uh, talking about uh, those type of things with them and working with them on that. Uh, for me, and I'm pretty well versed in, in strength and conditioning, uh, and uh, um, I'm on base uh, use certified in the sense of screening. So for me, uh, what I, my plan of attack is to to approach it with my knowledge of strength and conditioning, and then if I can't figure it out, I'll reach out to some strength and conditioning coaches that, that are friends of mine and say, "Okay, hey, I, I've tried to I've tried to figure this thing out uh, from a strength and conditioning standpoint. I need your help." And and so. Uh, for me, sometimes I'll do that approach, but for 99% of my career coaching, whether, whether in college or pros, we have strength and conditioning coaches that we work alongside with to make decisions like that and help with. And, and, uh, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Or just like you said, if this guy just can't get into his hip hinge, that has to be like, look, this guy just, we're really struggling here. And the strength coach is like, we just can't get into it. And so we'll, yeah. all right, we're going to, we're going to get into, get into those things. So, um, so it's okay. So you do have just that relationship with them of a strength and conditioning coach. So let's say, you know, you're back in high school, you know, you're back in the high school hat, put your vice varsity hat back on. How, what would you do differently there for like, let's say the lower, maybe a lower level doesn't have the, doesn't have the opportunity for that. Can't just call up a phone or just like talk to the guy, the strength coach. How would, how would you approach um, for that? For me, I would say, For me, I would, again, I, I you know, I, I've, been, I've been the weight room guy uh, at a high school before. And so for me, just trying to get as educated as possible to help hitter, uh, athletes. For me, the biggest thing is technique and learning how to do technique right uh, and to teach it. So, um, you know, if, if I'm a high school coach and I'm trying and I don't have strength and conditioning um, guys or people there that can really help me, I'm going to spend the off season. I'm, I'm going to invest some time in, in learning it and getting better at it. And, and, you know, I, I would say the same thing for any coach in any sport, like, Hey, if you want to get better at something, you got to learn it. And if that's a weak spot for you, you got to start, you know, take the classes and, uh, and figure out how, what, you know, how you can help your hitters. So here is one of, you know, a very high profile hitting coach saying that as a hitting coach, we need to invest into strength and conditioning and being at the way doing when the body moves. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I think I, I, I don't, all I'm saying is that speaks pretty, pretty big. It pretty speaks volumes of knowing that needs to be part of a, a person's program. You know, that, Absolutely. that strength and conditioning piece and knowing what they're, what you're doing. Um, so will you actually, you know, do you like to involve any 
um, med balls, water bags and things like that into your, into your training? Yeah. All the time. Again, like for me, my experience with college, uh, is that that time is done differently with the strength and conditioning coaches and they're, yeah, and they're true. doing it. Um, if I'm a high school coach, I'm going to create some time to do that, uh, in the weight room and absolutely med balls, uh, and, and having an entire program around that. I haven't had to manage that in about nine, 10 years, uh, really. But, um, if I, if I was to coach high school again, uh, nowadays or, or work in a facility with hitters like that, I would, I would absolutely have that as part of my program. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, would you ever, do you ever see any value of like bringing them, like blending them with like your cage work or maybe your flips or, you know, certain things that you're trying to work on? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all the time. I would say again, like if I, if I was back in the private lessons world and, and working with high school players or younger players and they didn't have, a, they weren't going to strength conditioning coach or program, uh, I would absolutely develop their system and all their, their, their hitting plan. Uh, a big portion of that would be strength and conditioning and med balls and deadlifts and stuff like that. So it would definitely be integrated with that, with the regular, you know, whatever their hitting plan is. Mm-hmm. So when you've talked about hitting plans a couple of times, <clears throat> has this been, has this been part of your, like, how are you able to, I think this is kind of twofold because one, I know it's pretty easy for you. Like with your individual clients, you make individual plans, of course, based off of that. How did you take that same philosophy? Cause I know that you, I've seen your stuff and I know you do this, but how have you been able to take that same kind of individual approach within the culture and within the team setting that you've gone at all the, at your different stops? Um, I, I approach it the exact same. I, you know, at, uh, Fresno state, I think I had 20 something hitters at South, South Carolina, had 20 something hitters at Missouri. I had 24 hitters, maybe, uh, yeah, every single hitter had an individual plan down to the T, uh, exactly of what they needed to work on, what drills they were working on, uh, their full assessment. Uh, and honestly, it's just at that level, uh, the amount of time and energy and work we put into it and 12 hour days, sometimes seven days a week, that's just part of it. And so, um, it's, uh, to me, it's the same approach. I, it just depends on, you know, every coach has a, has a different, um, commitment level and approach. And for me at that level, um, you get in, you get into it, what you put into it. So for me, uh, I want to win. I want my hitters to have success. And so I probably put in too much time, uh, on it, but, uh, you know, that's, that's why we do it. Yeah. I'm sure your, your players also really respected that and know that, you know, that you're, you're doing something not just for the whole, you know, to do it. It's also specifically for them. Um, so like what would a BP session look like then? So, you know, everybody takes BP batting practice, you know, during, maybe for a game or, you know, while you're taking a practice, what does that look like when you have, and when you've individualized and broken down 24, 27 different hitting plans? Um, and so I would say at most places is some type of a station rotation in the last three or four jobs I've been like at Fresno state, we had five batting cages and the field. So, um, you know, we, I break them into groups of two or three hitters. They do a kind of, kind of a station rotation and at least one or two stations a day are what we call the homework station. And so they choose what to work on in those stations in a team BP setting. And so, um, and they know what their hitting plan is. It's not like they get to that station and go, Oh, I wonder what I should do today. Mm -hmm. They know the things that they need to work on. And then we have a few team drills, a, a few competing drills, like, you know, like the machine will be set up to uh, curve balls or, or change ups or fastballs. And then uh, on the field, uh, BP, the same thing. It could be like a day where it's a no ground ball BP and you get a point for every time you hit a, a ball uh, out of the infield, or it can be some other point system or, you know, whatever that, whatever, it could be a swing away day. It could be, uh, do this round, but uh, usually some, some form of station rotation, uh, based on the time. And, uh, it's a combination of the hitters, working on their individual hitting plan, a few team drills, and then a few, uh, you know, game-like situational drills in the sense of machines or live pitching. Yeah. I, I just, I love that, that you were able to, I think you spoke it so well as is, because I think the misconception is like, Oh, the batting practice is all individualized where it's still like, no, there's still some things that we all do in the sense of a team setting. 
Uh, and especially like I even said, the third part is it's game like situations too. But then we do, are going to have one part of it that yes, here's your plan, work that. I think that's maybe the misconception that oh, it's mm-hmm. all individualized. When no, like we still have a a team station. This is what everyone's doing. That's what our team didn't do well last game or however it was. And then here's where your hitting hitting plan station is. And now, would you basically like? To, I guess this is probably a style question though. It's in your style and when your philosophy. Would you like to? Were you kind of stationed at the individual thing, or did you like to see the what like the team station? Yeah, I I would float around. It really yeah. would be uh, just me kind of just floating around all the stations. I would say, um, you know, like at Fresno State, we had we had four cages or three cages. Um, right next to each other where I could see really well there and then kind of float around. So for me, or, or it could be a day that, Hey, you know what, for the homework station, I want to see these three or four or five hitters. Um, and so I would hang around that station more, just really dependent on the day and mm-hmm. what, what, what I wanted to accomplish and what I wanted to see. I probably changed for me every day. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, that's just, it's, it's real, you know, like whatever, you know, I guess I'm sure like whatever, you know, you have a great feel for things. And so you just kind of feel like, where do you kind of need to be and make those adjustments as necessary. So yeah, it's fantastic, man. That's awesome. Um, wow. Uh, we just rolled through a ton of different things. Um, coach, I guess one thing is a hitting coach as well. And cause I know, you know, really your job as a hitting coach, I know is to make things better. I guess what you can put on your, as a hitting coach, I'm sure your job is to still score runs. Right. And where, and it's, I guess I don't know, I don't want to say it's controversial, but like, where did you always stand on bunting, you know? And like, where would that come into as well as, you know, was that what remember the station was? How did that change from, so- I know it was a big thing in softball, um, but kind of, was that part of maybe an individual plan? Was it still part of a team stuff or kind of where was your philosophy when it came, came to that? Um, for me, especially at the higher levels, like I love bunting. I, I'm all for bunting for a base hit, push bunt, drag bunt finding ways on uh, with the bunt and putting pressure on the defense. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of sack bunting. I, I, uh, especially at the lower levels, I mean, never at the lower levels, I would never, uh, but at the high school, college level, pro level, uh, there are always exceptions to the rules. I think late in the game, in a tie game or one run game with a runner on second with no outs in the bottom of the lineup. I mean, I think, I think if you are playing for one run, um, sack bunning from second to third, uh, there's definitely reasons to do it, but I would say generally speaking, um, you know, a, a sack bunt from first to second, very, very rarely, uh, would ever, would I ever recommend that it just doesn't make sense. Um, but, uh, again, like I love, I love bunting for base hit. I lo- we work on it. We teach it. We have, we have stations in it, uh, for hitting, uh, you know, not very many, uh, but, um, but we do a little bit and we do, uh, we, we do a lot of what we call like, uh, drag bunt scrimmages and find ways to make bunting fun in practice. Uh, and so sometimes you just, I mean, you still got to practice it and be good at it, but we just don't probably don't, we probably don't use that tool in the tool, toolbox that often. Sure. But I'm sure it's also depending on the individual, you know, if you yeah, have a big individual big, team, everything. Yeah. Big burner, you know, that needs to be, it's not a big strong guy. Like, like it's going to be part of your, part of your game. So then we have to work on it. So it almost seems like if people are, like, that's why I was wondering if it'd be just part of like your homework station. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, for some people, yeah, a little bit, but not very often. Mm-hmm. You just got bigger, I guess, bigger fish to fry, I guess you would say, you know, bigger, maybe bigger. Yeah, problems. I guess it, it, it really depends on the hitter again. Like if it's someone who does really well with it and gets on base with it and it's a good piece of their tools, then we'll work on it a lot more. Right. Right. Well, um, yeah, just done a ton, man. It's almost an hour in here. Um, so, I mean, is shoo, um, what, oh man, what do you like? What's been one of the, like, uh, I say uh, you kind of touched about your biggest challenge right now is just with getting shut down in California and things like that. Um, you know, what has been some of the biggest challenges that you've had with, within your experience and, um, you know, trying to get hitters from, I guess, hitters to, like to, to reach their goals. 
Um, I think just the biggest challenge right now is just because of COVID. It's just it's been it's been tough to get into a rhythm and a routine to see live pitching to get the work in that they need to work at every level from t-ball on up. It's just been tough on everybody and mentally, physically, preparing wise, and, and and trying to keep spirits up and trying to encourage and trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's just a tough time for everybody. And so uh, again, you know, trying to stay positive, trying to find ways to um, encourage and th- those can be, that can be challenging in times where, uh, you know, there's stuff going on in the world that uh, seems to be a lot more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of stuff. It's just, and it's again, going back to that psychologist, you know, that you are and you know, you've done, you've made a, you basically became a psychologist within the last 20 some years of being a coach, you know, but, um, Coach, I guess just wrapping things up, man, if there is there anything, I guess maybe pieces of advice for younger coaches, uh, things that you might have wished you knew that you know now that you wish you knew back then when you first started this big journey? Yeah, I would say, you know, the biggest piece of advice I ever got, uh, I remember probably about 15 years ago was a coach told me, you know, the biggest mistake that coaches make is they develop a philosophy and then they spend their entire career defending it. And that really stuck out to me because to me, I know what I taught 15 years ago wasn't very good in, in, uh, relation to what I coach and teach now. So for me, my best advice for coaches is to always learn, always be learning, having a growth mindset, uh, always be willing to be wrong and to own it and say, you know what, ah, man, I thought I was, I did the best I could. And, but I've learned, uh, a better way now. And I'm, and I am better at this now. And so for me, um, you know, just coaches need to put away their ego and pride and they need to, to continue to learn, continue to get better, never, never settle. Uh, and, uh, to me, I think if, if they can do that and continue to learn and grow, uh, they'll continue to be effective coaches. Mm, absolutely. Well said. Thank you for that coach. That was awesome. Um, if, uh, so just, I guess, and wrapping these up, uh, people want to reach out to you more, find more, more great stuff that you're doing. What's the best way to find the great stuff that coach Lyle's doing? Uh, yeah, you can find me on all social media at coach Lyle. Uh, and all my hitting stuff is at the hitting And so I think those are the, be the best ways to, to find me. You can always Google coach Lyle and you'll find all his pages too, but check out the hitting vault and, uh, that's all. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, coach, I, I honestly, it, it was, this was, it was incredible. My head, my head was kind of spinning. I, I just looked up and I couldn't believe how long it is. And I just, I really want to thank you for taking the time away from your family and um, hope you guys do well with uh, after this, through all this shutdown and everything else like that. But um, I, I really, really appreciate it. And it was a tremendous amount of information. I appreciate that very much. And thanks for having me on. Coach Matt Lobb, just given a ton of information in what seemed like a very short amount of time. Um, just had a lot of fun with that, man. I know I'm, some of you guys' heads might be spinning. You might have to go back again, listen to that. I know it was a lot, a lot in a short bit. I even felt like that for me, and I'm a pretty fast-paced, fast-paced guy, a lot of energy, and, and Coach Lyle brought it even more. He brought some, brought some major energy and great passion and uh, was fortunate to get through uh, just different things. So again, if you want to reach out to him, uh, check him out at thehittingvault.com. Look at him on social media, um, and and reach out. You know, you can see he's always willing to learn, willing to share. Uh, I, I'm doesn't know me from Adam, and I was just again, I followed his stuff for years, and and uh, just been loving the stuff he's putting out right now, and uh, just reached out, and, and he's willing to share and. And uh, I think it just goes to another great thing about baseball coaches is in this fraternity of people that are willing to share, willing to get better. And you heard it towards the end of his advice is about continuing a growth mindset. And I, I think the more willing your share is, is you're putting yourself out there to be vulnerable too and not putting your ego aside. And God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to come on here and, uh, and do that with me. And, none of the, and none of these coaches did. None of these coaches I've had on for 48 episodes have had to do it. Um, you know, it's just a matter of them learning to win, uh, wanting to learn, excuse me, um, and, uh, serving, growing the game and, um, and man, just been really fortunate. And so again, Coach Law, I just want to thank you so much for the time and, um, it's valuable information. 
know it was a lot, and I just hope everybody enjoyed it and got some great nuggets. I was able to. I took a lot of notes, and uh, this will be this is a lot of fun, and I, this is a memorable one. And um, man, I just I had a, I had a great time, and so. Uh, if you really enjoy it as well, uh, please feel, uh, please share it. Share the episode. Share it with someone. Share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Uh, maybe they're they're, they're um, knowing how to maybe not focus so much on their uh, swing, and maybe it's more of a decision making. And because like Coach Law talked about that, and as I you know guys that I've been working with here recently talking to them about the same thing. You know, like you first got to see what's going on in the mind, and then. You know, then we'll kind of dive into your swing, you know. Sometimes you just make a bad decision on a bad pitch. And uh, it's not about your swing. It's about your decision. So, uh, but, yeah, man, feel free. Uh, share this out to them. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And, uh, you know, check it out on Podbean, iTunes. And uh, let me know if there's someone out there like that that just gets great content, that willing to share, willing to learn, growth mindset. This is the kind of guys that, that we're – trying to go after that also um this this group of people that just love to grow the game and just talk baseball and, and being able to show that we teach lessons through the game and are trying to be the best man we can to help not only grow the game but grow the people around us um because we're just fortunate to be be part of this game so um Coach Lyle, thanks so much. Thank you guys for listening. And until next week, keep getting better.